Knockback is brought to you by thousands of supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. If you want to show your support for Knockback, as well as CLS's PlayStation podcast Sacred Symbols, the eclectic interview series Fireside Chats, and the YouTube gaming series SideQuest, please consider going to Patreon and pledging for a monthly amount that makes the most sense for you. Your Patreon support doesn't only ensure that CLS continues to produce the content you love, like Knockback, but you can get cool perks, too, depending on your level of support. You can get early access to each episode of Fireside Chats, Sacred Symbols, and Knockback, totally ad-free. You can vote for show topics and provide feedback to be read on air. You can listen to exclusive podcasts only available to patrons, and much more. Your support is essential if Colin's Last Stand is to continue well into the future, so please consider showing some love. Again, that's patreon.com slash Stand. Thank you for your kindness, generosity, and support. Without you, CLS wouldn't exist. But enough of that. On to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my brother, the illustrious Dagan Moriarty, and for the very first time ever, our father, Jerry Moriarty. Dad, thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) Hey, Colin. Hey, Dagan. Great to be here. Thank you. Hey, Pop. So back in December, I think it was, we tried to get this done. I made an error in our recording. Dad and I I actually got picked up. Your audio was messed up, Dagan. It was my fault. It's actually all my fault. <laughs> and it took me months to get it over it because I had never lost a podcast before. Back at Podcast Beyond or PSI Love You or whatever, never lost one. Ten years until that moment. So, And I was I, that was an ingenious performance, a podcast performance on my part that will never be heard by the world. Right, award-winning. Lost. You, almost, you, should, you would That's have been funny. nominated for a Webby. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to say real quick, first of all, I'm sorry if my mic sounds a little bit weirder if I'm popping it all on uh, pl- what, what are called... Explosives, which, oh. uh, because I don't have a screen in front of my mic, I've given them to uh, my dad and Dagan. So I'm sorry if I sound a little bit weird. We kind of have a little bit of a janky setup here because usually none of my podcasts are with more than... You look like Bob uh, Barker with the lollipop mic over I know. There. That's why I'm holding it like this. <laughs> I also took off the... Um, I'm holding the mic too, so I hope that that's not bothering anyone. But I took off... There's like... Usually we have a little cover on it as well. But it... Here, I'll, I'll let you see. That's not very pleasant, is it? I don't know. Is so, it? No, it's definitely not. <laughs> it definitely isn't. But I thought we would, this is probably going to be a shorter episode than usual, Dagan. We've been knockbacks have been going like real long lately. Like, Quantity over quality. That's our motto. Right. Exactly. <laughs> just keep talking. Just keep talking. Never shut up. <laughs> so I think we'll go like an hour or so today. I just wanted to talk to dad and we have him here. We're in Philadelphia in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And, and dad, uh, I just wanted to kind of pick your brain about what you think of our show since you listen to it. And, and you're uh, such a player, a key player in our show. That I, we, we thought it would be funny to kind of... And a player. And a player as well. As well. <laughs> <laughs> Decidedly a player. So this is kind of a, a special episode for our audience. You know, all, all the episodes are special for our audience, I guess. But this is a very special one because you're a, you're one of the characters that comes up all the time. <laughs> as, you, as you know. As you're, as you're well aware. And so now you, ha- you can speak for yourself. Oh, no. <laughs> so, well, yeah, please. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And I really enjoy your shows and... Um, it's a way that I maintain contact and connection with my two sons. Especially Colin, who never calls you. <laughs> right, as Dagan, sta- as, as Dagan <laughs> stares in the mirror. <laughs> I, I, too, am very bad with calling my and parents. And I have to let your audience know that I drove for four hours in you did. New York 
expletive traffic 90 to degrees be with outside. my two sons. Yeah, well, we appreciate that. Yeah, we de- definitely, Pop. Now, Dad usually drives like a bat out of hell, so usually <laughs> you could do it in like, somehow you get from Suffolk County, Long Island, to, to the suburbs of Philadelphia in like two hours usually. He's done but... it in under an hour and a half. We have no idea how that's even possible. <laughs> no man has ever achieved <laughs> But not today. <laughs> but yeah, not today. It took you four hours. You, you brought some bagels, which we appreciate. We were sitting outside having a good time. We're going to go get us some Italian food after this. Yes, sir. Have a little nice evening with each other. Uh, but Dad, I, I just wanted to ask, how do you feel like you're betrayed on knockback? Do you think that you get fair treatment on knockback? <laughs> Accurate treatment? Um, yeah, I, I do. I think understandably, understandably, you're my sons, my children, so you have your perceptions. <laughs> oh my goodness, here we go. <laughs> and so I understand that. So... Um, and truth be told, there have been time to times where I would, you know, it would be a phone call or a text mm-hmm. or something, FYI, whatever it was, here's the, you know. The real story. The real story. So. I think it's funny, Dad, because I think the one you were most upset about was when we said Strider was your favorite, uh, oh. your favorite oh, Lord of the Rings guy. I, <laughs> I think that was, the mo- that was when Dad was most incensed. Yeah. Yeah, he was not happy about that one. <laughs> Which that was, was funny. Fault. Yeah, that the other ones fault. you were like, ah, oh, we don't worry about that. But you were, you had to make a phone call when we said, yeah, when we when we we called out the wrong character. In all fairness, though, can I say something? Please. When Dad got here today, he brought up Viggo Mortensen within ten minutes of being in the house. <laughs> That's true. You did. So he, you did invoke the name of Viggo <laughs> within fifteen minutes of being here. In a different so context, is he though. is he not your favorite? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It wasn't Aragorn. That's true. <laughs> that is a good point, Dagan. Very well done. So, I, you know, Dan, the show, I think I can speak for you, Dagan, and you can obviously chime in, but I think the show is so special to us because doing it and why we enjoy doing it so much is because it's kind of like this audio log of our lives that will exist until an EMP inevitably fries all of the electronics in the United States and we all live in the woods again. <laughs> Your dream comes My, true. Or, 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 first of all, two th- two thirds of us in this room want that to happen. AKA, right. you, both, of you, both of your dreams come true. <laughs> but... You know, I wonder how you feel about that, about kind of it's not only that you're a character in the story and that we obviously have, you know, thousands and thousands of people that listen to our show and feel like they know us and feel like they know you and they do know us. I think I don't think it's a feeling. They really do know us. But how do you feel about the fact that like this is a this is a record of our childhood and our experiences as Moriarty's and that this is something that, you know, not that you want to pass it down to your children or whatever, but this is like something that like Graydon, when he's Dagan's age, can go on iTunes and go find these old podcasts I and these old that. stories that if our family itself listened to these in future generations, they'd actually get a really thorough workup of what was going on at the time that we had never gotten in previous generations. Like we know who our we know who Timothy Moriarty is, for instance, and all these guys, right. but we don't really know anything about them. Right. So right. does that is that cool to you that like this is forever? It is, and it's interesting that you, you bring that up because in all honesty, um, I never really thought of it in that context until you brought it up. Again, you know, it's an oral history, right? You pass it down generationally. So this is just another way of doing that. Right, exactly. And, you know, um, listening to you and Dagan talk about whatever the subject may be, I'm really um, amazed at your knowledge base, you know, both of you, about, you know, different topics, different things, which are not in my wheelhouse. You know, so it's interesting to to, um, to to hear you talk about, you know, whatever those subjects are, whether it's, you know, movies or authors or different char- characters in uh, 
comic books and stuff like that, authors, um, was, um, you know, the animation aspects of it, which I really didn't, you know, I don't know about, you know, so it's an, it's, it's educational for me to listen to it, you know. That's awesome. Dig, yeah, I enjoy it. You're taking some copious notes over there. I wanted to make sure to throw it to you. Do you have it? Any- oh, yeah. No, I have to. I'm so I'm so old that I have to. I, I just feel so rusty in my head. Sometimes I have to write down a thought so I don't forget to say it. That's what I always do, Dorian. But you never knew that. Kyle? No, no, I, I watch you right. But I just yeah. want to make sure this is not a planned episode. Usually, Dagan, because you're talking about Dad, our preparation that we put into the show, we prepare yeah. pretty deeply for every episode of the show. I have a whole moleskin notebook just full of notes for each episode, and. That comes from a place of wanting to inform people, but it's also quite fun for us because I don't know all that stuff going in. You know, I, I look it up, I read about it, and, right. and watch the movie or watch the special editions. And, yeah, that's nice. And all that that's kind of stuff. a nice part about doing the yeah, show. Yeah, so it's a nice excuse for us to learn and kind of uh, proliferate that information as well. But how do you feel? You know, I always love telling stories about you, Dad, on our show about. The, the thermostat. The thermostat, which is our favorite. About how yeah. I used to about how I used to run away. My thermostat is set to sixty seven right now. <laughs> Do you somehow in your instincts feel like you need to run, go down and shut it off right now? Or can you bear it through this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> This is a task for you. Look, the sweat's starting to beat up on his brow. Look at that. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. Um, we had a thermostat. <laughs> it wasn't connected. I don't think it was connected to anything upstairs. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> it was a faux thermostat. <laughs> Dad, how many times were you? How many times did you have to go? Uh, what, what would you do? Like leak the water out of the uh, out of my baseboard in my room and, and oh, pretend that it yeah. ever worked, even though it never did. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was truly that was an old heating system, and you had they would get it, it would get airlocked. Oh, wow, wow, wow. because it was hot water going mm. through, which heated up the coils. If there was air in there, the water wouldn't move. Right, right. So you would have to you would have to bleed it. Right, right, right. And um, yeah, and truthfully, that that was true. It took me about nine minutes to make fun of. Didn't take long. Yeah, But how do you feel about? I don't know. It's interesting. Like we're talking about these oral histories, right? And and we could have these oral histories just internally or like stories passed down from generation to generation. But is it interesting to you that these oral histories have an audience, you know, like that? It's it's not just for us. It's actually for lots of other people as well. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a facet of it where you're entertaining people. Right. And you're, you know, and there's a certain degree and level of, you know, sharing, you know, maybe not so intimate, but intimate facets of your, you know, growing up or experiences and so forth. Yeah. So I think that's fine. And do you find that when we talk about some of the stories involving you or the family, does that ring a bell for you sometimes too, where you had forgotten about something that had happened or think about it from a different perspective? Yeah. Sometimes. And again, going back to perception, you know, we could be talking about the same situation, but having two different perceptions you know, and how you remember it and versus how I remember it could be different. But yeah, I mean, a couple of things, you know, it's, yeah, you, you bring up something um, and then I go, holy cow, I forgot about that, you know? And yeah, it's it's nice. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's a fun nostalgic tool for us, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Dick, where do you, what, I want to make sure that I don't monopolize this. I, I no, want to make sure you're able to jump in and, and quiz dad if you want or bust his balls, <laughs> whatever you want to do as well. Don't want to, you know, it's your show as well. Well, it's nice to have dad here. You know, another question I would have for you, dad, we touched on a little bit already, but do you, do you ever feel like you're talking at 
you know, the podcast as it's as it's playing as far as you wanting to give your input or us getting something wrong or us getting something a little bit, you having more information to give or us missing a part of the story. How often does that happen? Because sometimes I feel like it would really be nice to have, especially you and mom and Dana and Allie, our sisters, in the room because a lot of these stories involve numerous members of the family, family. if not everybody. Right. You know, so. Yeah, I... I um. Yeah, I think there, you know, like I we talked about the Medford house or right something like that, and just it it's more you know semantics about how big it was or how you know or it was this way versus that way. How big was the property? Oh, it was a third of an acre. Right, you know, right, right. Or whatever, just to just to, to give you information so it's accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is cool too, and it's helpful yeah. too, and it actually restores my memory of things too because I I was older. Colin was a baby in that house. Yeah, because I think I we me and Dad had talked, Kyle. I think I had said the house in Medford was twenty. I approximated like twenty two hundred square feet. It was like twenty five hundred square feet, which wow. is actually not almost as big as my house. Yeah, big house. So, you know that that and that does change the way I think of things because I'm like, oh yeah, you know that foyer was really big and that each room was really large and yeah, we had a trip, we had a conversation. I don't think went up yet, or at least Dad didn't hear it yet, where I talked about hanging out with our cousins, Lisa and Chris, your sister Maureen's right. kids. And, uh, you know, that was a couple of really early memories that I had of being in that house when I was really little, five or six years old, and only being in there at that time of a couple of years. So, yeah, I get very nostalgic about that house because we moved when I was 13, right before I was 13, I guess, right? Yeah, so, yeah that's right. So, yeah, yeah very nostalgic yeah. for that time. Is is nostalgia as powerful for you, Dad, as it is for us? Knowing that, it, it, you know, the root, we always try to remind our audience, you know, nostalgia is used in this very positive way, but it's actually about painful memories. And I'm wondering, is it powerful for you like it is for us? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's a double-edged sword. You know, it brings up, you know, good positive memories. And then there's a certain amount of sadness or, you know, missing certain things. So I, I think that's endemic with history in and of itself too, right? Because you can't, sure. you know, you have to move forward. You can't go back to yesterday. Right. You know? Of course. Do you feel... Any nostalgia for your own childhood, knowing that it was it was much more difficult and much more painful in a lot of ways than ours. You lost your mom at a pretty young age. You had a pretty contentious relationship with your father. You know, it was a much more fifties and sixties go out and play, come back at dinner kind of situation. Go get a job, get out of the house. You you, you joined the air force when you were young. It, are you glad? I guess that we had we're we're not telling stories like the ones you would tell. I guess is what I'm no, saying. And you know? and I think that's the whole. Um, role of you know generationally from a parent's perspective is you want to give your children more than you experienced you know so you want to give them a different experience which is what was the focus of my you know and your mother's at the time of uh, goal of trying to give you guys that and I like to think that we did you know you definitely, I mean, you definitely you know. did. I mean, especially knowing the stories of your own childhood. And, you know, the one thing I wanted to ask you about that, and I want to definitely give you a chance to talk about more, because I think that mom's parents always come up because we were just, we grew up with the Italian side of our family just much more than the Irish side, you know, the Moriarty side mm -hmm. of the family. So they get, the, the audience has a little idea of who grandma and grandpa are on that side and, and stuff. But I was wondering if you can maybe fill in the blanks and just tell us a little bit about your parents. You know, we knew your father. Uh, he passed away one in the 90s, the late 90s, I believe, or mid 90s. Yeah, 90. He actually died in 92. 92. 92. Yeah. Oh yeah, early. Yeah, early 90s. Oh yeah, so before. before actually, moms. it was your 
both grandfathers died within months of each other. Yeah, very sad. Very sad stuff. So Grandpa Moriarty being Poppy. Poppy, right. of course. And yeah, so I was wondering, like, give us a little insight into that, if you if you don't mind. Like, what were they like growing up? Um, you know, of course, I had five siblings. And so it was a pretty busy house. And, um, you know, my mom was very resourceful. Um, and she had her hands full with six kids. Um, my dad worked in various jobs. Um, we really didn't, there was not a lot of, you know, we went to school. I ultimately went to Catholic school and, uh, I had nuns for a couple of years. Then I had Christian brothers, um, who were pretty tough. And what school district then? It was St. Aidan's. That was St. Aidan's. Yeah. And all the kids, uh, you know, all the guys I grew up with, we all had, you know, came from one of my friends had, uh, he was the oldest of 15, you know, eight or nine kids was kind of like the norm. Um, I, you know, technically was six, so I was not small, but on the smaller side of those families. And I think at that time, everybody struggled, of course, not knowing you know, it's only looking back historically in the 50s and 60s with recession and, you know, things were tough and tight. And, you know, I know what it was like to provide for four kids. Can't imagine, you know, that much more difficult to take care of six. Um, and I think part of it is you don't know if you never had chocolate cake, you wouldn't miss it because you never had it. So there was a lot of things that I never had, and you didn't know that you didn't have it because you never had it. Right. Yeah. And it know. seems like a lot of your contemporaries might not have had it either. So right. no one really. So knew there any was better. no there was no you know benchmark to go with. And, mm. Um, you know, I think it, coming out of my family, um, my dad was pretty tough, um, and of course not knowing you know situation and circumstance from that generation, the greatest generation. A lot of, not a lot, I think most came back from the war, whether they were in Europe or in Asia, came back in, into their homes with un, untreated post-traumatic stress disorder. And it manifested over the time. And, you know. Um, Where did Poppy serve, Dad? He was in the uh, South Pacific. He was on the, and I just, the Appalachian. He was in the Battle of Coral Sea, which was one of the tremendous, I think, the one of the biggest naval battles yeah. of World War II. He was in it. Um, I don't think I ever knew that. Did he talk yeah. about it? No. He never, ever... And interestingly, him, my dad, my neighbor, uh, Robert Hickman, who was a friend of mine, we were pals together. He, um, His dad, Bill, was a Marine. And him and my father used to pal around. They would go up to the local bar in town and you know commiserate and... Again, he was another guy who never talked about it. My uncle Jack, who died last, I guess a year and two years now, I guess, yeah. um, he was on Iwo Jima. <sighs> wow. He, and literally was oh on God. Iwo Jima. He died, he was 93, God bless him. Wow, and, uh, holy cow. He never talked about it either. Um, so I think that, you know, if you watch, um, you know, like the Band of Brothers and they, they, flash forward to the present day individual and they go back into the movie and you see these guys who you know sadly i would imagine many of them are now dead how they struggle with those emotions about their experiences so 
Anyway, not knowing that as a six, seven, or eight-year-old kid, nine-year-old kid, you don't, you have no clue. So, so does it make you look back at your experience with your dad, like in hindsight and thinking about it and being more mature, as maybe understanding the contentiousness a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and un- truly understanding that you know, uh, he, based on that, there were limitations and. Uh, he, you know, and again, you don't know that when you're a kid, you internalize it, that it must be something about you or whatever. So, yeah. So it forced that behavior in me where I just, you know, a strong independence and just get out and go do stuff. And, you know, and, and as they say, the rest is history. Yeah, <laughs> they do say that. With that kind of upbringing, I find you such a loving and caring person. Like you're, you have a good heart. You are emotional. You are available for that kind of stuff. You know, I think, I think that maybe that's evolved a little bit over time for you as you, as you became older and you, and you got maybe further away and got more context for your childhood or whatever the pain you were in and the different things that were going on. Where did you, where did you find that in yourself? You know, not having necessarily been injected with that on a constant basis like we were when we were growing up you know we, we had a much more safe much more homebody-ish environment where we didn't have to feel like we you know i was always gone too as a kid but i didn't feel like that was necessary mm-hmm. so wh- where did that where did you draw that from to be to be like the loving caring you know not not your not your dad not the you know dagan and i didn't grow up with a father like some of our friends have that it's a very cold relationship or it's a very, you know, distant relationship and maybe sometimes an abusive relationship, you know? Um, I, well, I don't I, feel like we had that at all, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, maybe, maybe the others would say it was a little different for them growing up, but I always was just so surprised to hear about your childhood and the nature of it because it just, I think it must've taken some sort of wherewithal and strength to not project that on your own kids, which I think happens a lot with their people's progenitors, you know? <laughs> like, Well, I think to some degree, yes. And, you know, don't forget I was a father at a pretty early age. Yeah. So, again, knowing what I know at 23 versus what I knew at 40 was different. You, you guys know, were you had really to live... young. Huh? You guys were really young. Yeah, I was 23, 23 when, when I was born. Literally turned 23. 23, 1973. Yeah. So, you know, you think you know everything, but you basically don't know anything. And, you know, with, with age and wisdom, you come to realize that you don't know anything. It's okay not to know, you know but you don't know that when you're younger. I think knowing where I came from, I think, and I think many people do this, they know where not to go, even though they may not know what exactly to do. So they usually go in the other the other vein, you know, the, the polarization, the polar opposite. And, you know, give or take, you know, you, you escalate back and forth and hopefully you can keep it in a more balanced perspective. Um, so, yeah. And and it's learning about yourself. And the whole thing is, you know, if you screw up and you make a mistake, you, you know, you take care of it and then you move on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's interesting, right, Dick? It is. I mean, it, you know, at some point, Dad, really, you have to, you know, not to um, embarrass you, but at some point you did break a cycle that had existed in your family and having a relationship with your father that maybe wasn't the best relationship at some point you did have the wherewithal and you know you were introspective enough to do that on your own and that takes that takes a certain type of strength so you know you you deserve a lot of credit for that because you know at some point you did do that you did implement change within a family structure and you get you were able to provide something that you didn't yourself get that's that takes a really special type of individual to be able to do that not everybody could do that 
you know, so that, I think that was really cool. And I've, I'm always curious, this may be a, a topic for a separate podcast, because this may be a, a, a have to, you know, this may entail a long winded answer. But I always wondered what Poppy's relationship was like with his own parents. And do what? how much do you know about that? Well, I know that my f- great my grandfather died when my father was 10. Oh, okay. All right. So he he didn't have wow, he was a father. Young. Okay. After 10. Okay. What I know of my grandmother, God rest her soul, Grandma O'Learian, but she was to say she was tough would be an understatement. You remember her? I remember her as an old older woman. I okay. mean, I remember her from when she was in her 80s. Okay. Um, and this I, was in the 50s or 60s when you remember her, obviously, at your youngest age? At your youngest and years. probably, I would probably say the late 50s. I want to say it's somewhere around the late 50s. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because so she young. ultimately wound up living with us. Oh. And... Um, I don't know if I ever knew that. Yeah, she lived with us. My sisters, of course, I had, I had uh, three older sisters, a younger brother, and a younger sister. And my younger sister was born in '56, so it was me, my brother, and my sister shared a, a room together. My sister was in a crib, and my brother and I were in bunk beds. You and Uncle Michael. What? Who? What sister? Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen. Okay. So I would have to say. I'm trying to think. It was somewhere around there. Might have even been a little earlier than 59 because Marion was 56, so you'd stay in a crib for like a year and a half, maybe right. two years. Yeah, so two years. Could have been earlier than that. Okay. And uh, so anyway, she was um, she was tough. She was tough. Yeah, and my, si- my older sister, Christine, has some stories about her telling her that she couldn't come back to the house because... She used to live in West Hempstead. She, okay. had, she had a she ran a boarding house actually. Oh wow! And um, is, did Poppy grow up on Long Island? Or did he grow up in the city boroughs, Dad? He grew up on Long Island. Oh, wow! So Poppy, that's a rare that's a rare thing for that generation to be from Long Island because if you guys don't know out there, just real quick, there was a great migration from the city boroughs to Long Island to the suburbs post World War II. So to grow up beef to hail from Long Island of that generation seemed like a pretty rare thing. Yeah. Now I don't know. Because all my family was from Greenpoint. Okay. And going back to the 1850s when they came over here, everybody lived, some lived in Manhattan, and but the bulk of them, I think two-thirds of them lived in Greenpoint in okay. various addresses. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. Actually, it was Greenpoint, College Point. So I don't know at what point they moved to Long Island I just know that there was, um, my grandmother gave, my my father was the youngest of six, and somehow my grandmother gave my father the house, either bought it or gave it to my father. Oh, that's, okay, cool. I never knew that. And I think that was part of the deal. She lived with us. Okay. Now... We lived on Lehigh Street first, and I remember that. And I think I mo- we moved when I was two years old, and okay. we moved to the other street, Dartmouth Street, where my father lived. In Williston Park. In Williston Park. And so I don't know if it was from the sale of that where my father was able to buy that or my grandmother bought that. But I never really understood. There was a certain level of consternation with my father's siblings, and I'm not really knowing why. 
only then to find out that probably because he was the youngest son, she gave, and they were all situated in their life. They were older than my father. Okay. So somehow my father got the house. He got the inheritance. Yeah. Well, got that, whatever got it that, was. got that, right. And I think that was a bone of contention for them, for <laughs> some of them. Right, um, right, right. You could see that being a problem yeah, in a family, yeah. sure. So I didn't, to you know, I have really no, um, and again, from a historical lineage family perspective knowing about you know relatives it was basically unheard you know unspoken yeah so you were best oh you know that's aunt so-and-so that's you know whoever you know i did see because two of my aunts lived in williston park okay um so they would visit from time to time or they would see each other uh so i really have no no um recollection so i don't think my father um my grandmother married a guy later on in life. I don't know exactly when. His name was Dan O'Sullivan. And, nice no, Italian. Dan, not O'Sullivan. <laughs> Dan O'Leary. Now, okay. Dan O'Leary, from what I, what we, from what I understand, was um, when, they, when Robert Moses was doing the Southern State Parkway and um, the whole thing, he, O'Leary owned land and... He, Apparently, he died, and I don't. I don't understand the nuances. It wasn't put into a trust for my grandmother, because had it been, you know, my grandmother at all, my whole family probably would have been very wealthy because of the wow. land. Wow! Holy cow! Oh, interesting. Yeah, and we only found that 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 out doing some research yeah. years ago about doing the Moriarty book. Wow! That's yeah, because cool. yeah, da- uh, dad and his uh, and his uh, girlfriend. What, what, it's, it, what terminology do you use with Nancy? My partner. Your partner. Um, they did some really intensive research about the Moriartys, and we have a you know, and, and Nancy put together a book that is the history of the Moriartys um, and the offshoots uh, going back to the pre Civil War era in the U.S. and then obviously back to the old country. So yeah, we we know so much about the Irish side of our family now just these last few years, which has been pretty cool. I, I go through that book still once in a while and just read it. Yeah. Yeah. Nancy just um, talked about, uh, we just found that, I guess my great, great, my great, great, great or great, great grandfather um, came from Anaskol, which is in the Dingle Peninsula. So it was it was a tiny town of maybe ninety people when he left. Oh wow, pretty wild stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so happy that we know so much more about the Moriarty side. Like it's it's too bad we don't know as much about the Ruggieros. They came much later. Yeah, of course they came true. in like that. What did they come in the 1930s? Twenties. I I, th- I think it was probably in in uh, single digit to like 12, 15. Oh, okay, somewhere. so oh, a little okay. earlier. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And that's yeah because some of grandpas. Our Italian grandpa is like half of his people were born in Italy, right? And then half of his siblings were born, right? Like some of his, he had older siblings that were born over there, right? I think that's true. I think. And then he was actually born here. Yeah. 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 So it's and interesting I don't know. Stuff. And there was a whole, you know, the whole thing with the whole WAP thing without papers and, you know. the, the Right, right. You know, because the, you know, first it was the Irish and then it was the Italians. And so there was, you know. There was a whole immigration thing that they had to go through, right. like being Italians. Um, we had a good here. mix that, at that time, Irish and Italian. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they really wanted us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some things never change, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm. It's fun, man, because 
I'm glad that we just, again, get these stories in audio form and we, we just, it's like, I really feel a dig. I don't know if you look at it the same way, but I feel like this show to me is like, it's a big puzzle with thousands of pieces and you kind of know what the puzzle is supposed to look like. It's like a flower plant or, you know, a plant in a pot or whatever it is, but you like don't know what color the the flower is and you don't know like what the nature of the soil is and you're like trying to get these little pieces and put them in and it's like through Dagan really draws a lot out of me in like these re, these repressed memories I guess or whatever they are <laughs> and uh I love it you know it, but it's doing the show is emotionally exhausting to me too even if we have funny fun ones and sure. we talk about the movies and stuff and do things that have nothing to do with us yeah digging back like that and being an honest arbiter of like what actually happened and how it all went and how it all felt, I think is like a really tiring thing. It's it's tough because I know people look at this podcast as being entertaining and informative and they laugh at it and, and they, lo- they love it. But there's a lot of love and a lot of energy that goes into it compared to my other shows, you know, just inherently. Just That's like, interesting from, just from to hear inside. from you, Carl. Hopefully yeah. it's ca- I hope I hope it's ca- things are cathartic for you as well. They are, you know, yeah. I have, you know, which would be a really nice positive to get out of it. You know, I, I know, I know you have, you know, and I think that's the difference between our ages and, you know, certain things that have happened in our family. I think that's sort of a natural reaction. I don't blame you for that. But, you know, but it's, it's nice. It's, it's cool to see. It's really nice to, to hear what you're getting out of the show. And I think people really respond to it. I think people respond to just the, the you know, the everything, you know, the family stuff and the brotherly stuff and just being, you know, having these com- this common bond through family and memories and stuff like that. But the humorous stuff, certainly, but also they really respond to the heartfelt stuff and the emotional stuff and even, sa- you know, a bit of sadness and all that kind of stuff. I think they really respond to all that. I think they like hearing that, especially from Colin, because Colin's long had this fan base and people that follow him and admire him and, you know, look up to him and just, you know, have been riding that, you know, the train of all the content you've been putting out for years now through the various incarnations of the things you do. So I think people really, it's it's cool to see people responding to all of that. Like they want all of it, it seems like. And that's really, that's been a neat experience for me to witness that. You know, it's certainly, you know, I think for me, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm much less, I, I'm not known at all. Like I just do a podcast. I like to make people laugh. But, you know, it's funny to hear, you know, it's funny that the sincerity is something that people really seem to be responding to also and the authenticity. I like that. I think that's really neat. I think that speaks to our, our you know, our community slash your community too, Kyle, as far as, you know, just good people that could relate to these things, I think, in many ways as well. Yeah, they, they lean onto it and it's fun. You know, it's fun to be honest with yourself and like reassess things that you feel like. I feel a lot of pain from my childhood. You know, as I get older, it gets more painful. Yeah. And I, I do think that there's a, there is a, I think this is such a necessary catharsis. Knockback came at a good time for me because I really am wistful or whatever you want to call it from like my days like back in the day and the decisions I made and when I made them and why I made them and the associations I have with certain things yeah dad we're gonna do an episode on Jurassic Park we haven't we haven't recorded it yet but that's actually a really melancholy movie for me because I remember seeing it with you before I met I left Mm. you know and I remember that and so it's it's weird to have these interesting connections but so does everyone so you know everyone has interesting connections like that with a lot of these products so not only do we get a chance to talk about batman or whatever but we also get to talk about what we associate with batman and i think that the audience maybe i'm wrong but i think the audience more than anything wants to hear about the ancillary things around that just as they also share their own memories about the things that surround that yes it's well said you know yeah yeah and and 
you know, I think upon reflection, you look you look at things and you you process them in your own way, and you reconcile them in your own way. And where you need to, you make peace with them. And with sun, you go well. There's nothing to do about it because it's it's gone. There's nothing to do about it. Indeed. You know, I was thinking about the when you were talking about uh, Marie Court, and you know, you were talking, you know however it came up with you and Dagan and you talked about the you know us driving away or, or the last mm-hmm. swim in the pool and you guys driving away well I could tell you so much about that I could tell you chapter and verse about that because you know that's like it happened yesterday for yeah, me it's like making me cry you know back in that a 30-foot truck into our backyard taking the deck down and loading a whole truck and then your whole life, and then, you know, getting in that truck. And I, I, I remember you and Dana, we got in the truck, and I remember driving on friggin' 95 going up. And, and any of our listen, your listeners, our listeners, um, <laughs> who drive the too. corridor, as they say, around the hump up going up to Connecticut, it's god awful. And here, here I was with this huge box truck going up, driving up to, we wound up going in Maine. And we slept in Maine that night. Um, so yeah, I, those memories are very visceral for me as well. It's sad. It's like as as the, as they are for you. That's yeah. a painful time, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I also think of the good times, and you know, I can remember. I was thinking about it yesterday as I was working outside with my um, hat on and getting the <laughs> the sun was pounding away, and I never wore a hat in my life. And I'm thinking about. Now, you did oh, wear Daisy Dukes and half shirts. I, Never I, a hat, though. I actually was telling Dana. Because uh, a cowboy hat would have been pretty hot with that ensemble. <laughs> there. Listen to me for a second. If you had the work boots, now hold your train of thought. This is a brief, brief interruption. If you had the work boots, the Daisy Dukes that were short enough to have the pockets hanging out the bottom, the half shirt that had said Maui on it with the cowboy hat, that would have been, that would have been amazing. <laughs> it would have been amazing. I mean, if you throw in the <laughs> knee-high socks, maybe thigh highs. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, I, I was just, I was talking about Nancy about that. I said my kids used to harass me because that's what I wore, um, you know, the cutoffs <laughs> really and everything. Did. But the point being, you know, out, being on Long Island, those of you know, we are infiltrated with ticks. So now it's long pants off, long sleeve shirts constantly. Yeah, because you got you know you're constantly worrying about getting bit by ticks. Yeah, back then, even though. Brookhaven had loads of them, you know, I, I didn't. But my point was, I was thinking about yesterday, brought me back to Marie Court working outside, and I had actually, I don't know if you guys remember, I was doing the decks, and I was oh, outside I all day, and I had heat stroke, and I wound up sitting on the one deck, and there, your mother was going, where's your father? And I literally passed out. Oh, you were passed out? Yeah, I actually was like, I got to lay down. And I, I just and laid down, and I passed out, and then I came to, and but I literally had heat stroke. That's Holy what I felt God. like yesterday. <laughs> but it brought me back to doing all that work. You got to be careful. You're a little bit older now than back digging then. The, digging the pool, doing the decks. Oh my and God, we so talk you guys about that. Had that. Yeah, so. we talk about that a lot. Yeah, you know, I feel like the house in Marie Court, one Marie Court, our old house that you, you know, you and Mom built in '87. 
I feel like that's a whole topic unto itself. The, just all the memories associated with that house over those years, and you know, good and bad. I feel like that that could definitely be a topic. That that house that and that period of time is certainly a character in in our show. That you know, maybe one of the maybe one of the biggest characters in that show. And you know, Dad. Also, you know what you? I'm sure you've heard because you know, as you guys know, my dad listens to the show. Our dad listens to the show. We, you know, we're going back, right? You know why we're going back, right? We're going to dig up the videotape. Oh yes, <laughs> the buried no, one twelve no, no. video. I video thought it tape. was an alleged videotape. Isn't that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yes, one twelve video who closed down four years ago. If you are listening, yeah, they finally bit the bullet. Huh? <laughs> it's like unbelievable. They still were holding out hope that that they would was get that. one of the best video stores I had ever seen in my life. Were we saying that that's like considered like a legendary video? It store? is legendary. Yeah, yeah, and and sadly, I don't know if you guys know this, but. Several years later, one of my friends from the fire department actually bought that. No, I didn't know and that. And he tried to resurrect it. Oh, you're kidding. No, and he managed for a little while, then it, he wound up moving to the other side of 112, and then he wound up having to close because it was, he was, it was going down. He oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it's just the nature. He tried. I felt bad for him. I really did. Um, I thought I think you know I feel like it can make it you know you see the like these record stores we even have one in Doylestown here in the Philly suburbs where um, Siren Records where it's like a place where really music enthusiasts go to buy vinyl and CDs because right. they don't want to listen to digital audio. yeah they want flack audio yeah, you know they want yeah. and and they're collectors right. you know so it's funny that movie files and cinephiles can't have the same thing not that they don't have those things but that, that there can't be just as much well, of you that, have to you know you wonder how wonder if you know and it's following iteration that streaming kind of killed a lot of that that's sure right. oh, absolutely. and i think the big difference too is that vinyl is still the best way to get sound really but vhs tapes and dvds suck you know oh yeah well that's right. true yeah and yeah. If, listen if we grew up with digital files of everything we'd have nothing to dig up now i know that's exactly I right i couldn't so, have buried anything in the so, backyard so that's the thing guys i'm gonna i'm gonna my my plan i already had planned to do it but i hadn't done it yet is i i want i don't know who lives there. i don't know what the people's name is but i want to i see her do you i and oh i saw her actually I, uh, yeah, yeah dad pointed her out i saw me. her last week at church and the week before actually good catholic girl <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I see her, nice. and you know, she has, she knows. Well, she knows. She knew is. who I was, but she didn't know that I knew who she was. So she came up to me one time, and I don't know if Dagan. I think I told Dagan the story that she, she said, "Hi, you know, do you know I live on Mon Marie Court," and I said, "Yes, I, you know, I, I knew that." And so we introduced each other, and you know, said hello, and I said, "You know, I, we, again, I hope the house, you know." serves you and your family well and so on and so forth so it's nice that nice family lives there yeah no that that is that is good yeah because i wanted to write a blind letter to them basically just email you know mailing it snail mail i love sending snail mail out i always send snail mail to people and uh just writing a nice letter just being like my name is colin moriarty i lived here until 1997 we have some funny and i want to see how far we can push it i really want to be like the at the very least what we'd like to do is just come into the backyard and dig some shit up and if you have like a lawn there, I'll pay for all of it, all of it to be repaired. But at most, what I would love is for you to let us into the house so like we can walk around right. and like and like tell the story, like go into our old bedrooms. They're not going to look the same. Everything's going to be different. I mean, I was in that house after we sold it and it already was like wildly changed. But, you know, just go into the backyard and this is the pool and this is Dagan's room and this is our room. And this is how I used to sneak into Dagan's room and, and you know, at night and and that kind of stuff, you know, I think would be really fun. So like, that's kind of like my maximal dream. I'd love to go into the attic. I wrote a bunch of stuff in the attic before we left. Yeah. Which I didn't know about. Yeah. Until you, I heard it on the, yeah. Uh, I didn't know. Dan I and I, I went up there with a Sharpie and wrote a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, During that time. 
Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's in a position where it is completely reasonable and almost certainly likely no one has ever seen it. Right, because it's in you know like there's the two by fours, whatever they I don't know the the big boards that are vertical or whatever. Yeah, well, it's the, the way they configured the cricket. Right. You know, yeah. Was, it's, it's a roof configuration. You would have to basically sit against the far wall and then look up. Right. And then it's like on one of the boards. Yeah, yeah. You know where we wrote like the dates and everyone's names and stuff like that. So I'd love to like love to just go and see that. No one's probably ever laid eyes on that since then. You know, but it's sad, man. It's like a I feel like I lost that era, and I miss it. Yeah. I want to write that letter, actually. Do you want to do it? Yeah, it could, it could be like, dear so-and-so. And then, you know, my imbecile brother, you're not going to believe this, my imbecile brother buried a, v- a rental VHS tape in the backyard. <laughs> believe it or not, he wasn't on any drugs at all. <laughs> That's how crazy this person was. <laughs> also, also there might be a, there, also there might be some sort of pet cemetery we're accidentally going to dig up. Oh, well, that's another And thing. also probably an Iroquois burial ground as well. <laughs> <laughs> as we all know, those are all over the place. Dave, you know, Dave was cracking me up with the uh, Bobby Flay story about how they found the Iroquois yeah, that's burial ground thing. on Long Island. In in Sag Harbor, He's yeah. like, fuck off. He's like, fuck it, just build it. <laughs> They're like, Mr. Flay, are you sure? Like, this is like sacred ground. He's like, no, I want, that's where I want my house. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got divorced over it. Really? I think that's how the story wow. goes. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have the balls, not only from a historical point of view, but just because like it's going to be like you have this haunted fucking house or something like that. It's weird. It just, takes courage. Yeah. It takes a lot of balls. <laughs> what does he care? So, dad, I mean, how would you feel? One of the things that we get really excited about is getting Allie and Dana on board to do some episodes with us. Uh, I, I And I've talked about wanting to do three episodes with them called growing up moriarty in the 70s the 80s and the 90s and by excited we mean terrified terrified because <laughs> they'll be able to they'll be able to give a lot of context but how do you feel that we represent our sisters in this show do you think that they're represented fairly oh yeah I, yeah i think so and again i think they would have what that you know they would have their own stories and they, i'm sure they can certainly corroborate yeah. certain things that you guys uh, remember yeah they would certainly corroborate <laughs> yeah they're certainly i mean they have more notes than anyone for us when we uh when yeah. we do an episode yeah it's a well section. you know <laughs> <laughs> i would have to say dana always swore that uh, and i think i mentioned this that there was no baby pictures of her yeah, she still I, says this i i know which is ridiculous because i have a giant tote that weighs 400 pounds <laughs> and i i said here and i go and you know and Every, you know, how you get the um, the school pictures every year and right, you right. get the five by eight and the eight by 10 and you get the little wallets. Well, sure, yeah, there yeah. was 400 of them, <laughs> not really, but. Of, yeah, no, you used to get Dana. like an envelope full. Of, yeah. Yeah. You didn't need all that. Now, mysteriously, Dana's were perfect, still intact in the envelope, sealed. None, none were ever cut out. <laughs> That's a little odd. That is a little odd. <laughs> Even, yeah. our, even your adopted daughter, Allie, had pictures that were... That's, that's right. <laughs> uh, we were trying uh, to keep these mint in package, didn't yeah, we? No. So the point being that, yes, there was, there was there's plenty of pictures of Dana. It is going to be fun to get them. Yeah. Now, I mean, we say it often on the show. You said it to us in private. Colin and I are your favorites. We get it. Like, we totally understand that, you know, not all the kids could be the favorites. Colin and I are your favorites. The girls... A rank three and four. We understand that, you know. <laughs> Same with mom. I, <laughs> yeah. I understand that you think that. <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you. Like with dad, I, I, so I know that you're dad's favorite. That's you, you are. True. You're out of your mind, Dean, if you don't think you're dad's I favorite. I don't think that's just, true. just as clear as I'm mom's favorite. I think I should be. 
Your dad's favorite. I don't think I. But I, I think I that the I think I've fallen precipitously down the ranks because I don't have any grandchildren, and this this oh. changes the whole dynamic. This cre- this creates calculus that is so complicated to solve that I really only imagine that I've fallen all the way to four. Yeah, you that. might be. But with, be. with but with mom having me at a, a firm number one. My average is always still feel good. I feel pretty good about everything. There's okay. no one's no one's ever gonna say, including mom, that you're not. All right, mom, mom have... just admits it at this point. She's like, yes, obviously that's true. I would have to be clear that Uh-oh. there are certain things that are true. Dagan is my oldest, my first child. You're my youngest, my last child. He's my oldest son. You're my youngest son. I'm trying not to yawn because this is just like the most tired argument. <laughs> Dana is my first is my oldest daughter, my first daughter, and Allie is my youngest daughter. So, so everyone has a little something special come about on. them. Dad, we're not nine anymore. This is not. Mom tries this too. This is the worst ever. It's okay. Yes, I, I'm your favorite oldest son. I get it. I say no. this to my kids too. You're my favorite son. And you're my favorite. Arbitrarily. Daughter. Well, you know, you wouldn't. It's more of a joke than anything else because you know I love you all the same. No, of course. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Dagan loves Lilia more than Graydon, we want to know who you love <laughs> the most. True. And no, I, it's funny from from the reverse angle. It really is. A, it's a joke. It's a. I mean, for people that don't know, a very long running joke. Yeah, we've been busting our decades. shops for ages with this. But. It is a little bit of an awkward position to put one's parents in, right? To, oh, absolutely. That's but, why it's hilarious. But I do think. But I do think that. <laughs> Love. <laughs> but I do think that, like, there's, you know, it it, it would be, it's funny, Dave, because it's a double-edged sword. You would want to, in a way, sit with mom and dad, right, and be like, just tell us what you don't like about us and what you like about us, right? Yeah. And there are obviously internal answers that are true and false about those things, right? Yeah. But you don't want to know. Right? Like, that's right. something you don't want to know. When, when it stops being a joke, and yeah. then you're really talking about, like, tell me my character flaws, mom. You know? Then it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know but if it would mind be, that. But it would be interesting to know, like, well, what what don't you like what about do you your, really your kids? Think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what what about your kids that frustrates you or you wish were different? Well, that, what would happen is they would say the things they really love about you, and the other things are, you know, either less important or the things that they don't like about you. Right. right? You just have to infer, right? You have to infer. Now, Kyle, I could say this for you in order to make you feel better, especially I don't think you need this yet for mom. You don't need this for mom, but for dad. Now, and not to get tacky into into things, you know, into people's incomes and stuff like that, but you are the most likely of the four to take care of mom and dad in old age at this point. That's true. If you're you're going on purely a financial basis. I'm holding my breath. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing is that I've often, I've said this honestly, and I, you know, it's like, I don't want to jinx anything, but I'm somewhat convinced that dad is going to outlive every one of us. So (laughs) I'm not that at all. I like, I like, Pauline says that all the time. Like, so I, and I don't think dad would ever take a dime from me. I think dad would rather live in the woods than take any money from me. I think he'd rather live in the woods anyway. Yeah. I think he would rather. (laughs) Yeah. What did you say? You would just give him a box box of matches and some aluminum foil. Like, all right. For the easy pass. Yeah. And and a knife. And, and a knife. knife. And a knife, right? You need a knife. <laughs> and uh, but with the knife. But with mom, you know, I look at mom. Well, yeah, maybe it's just the way a son looks at a mom or whatever. But also, mm. mom's health is you know a little a little shakier. She gets older and all that. And yep. I, I fully do expect. And I've told mom. I straight up told mom this. To be fair, I said I told mom she can come home with me whenever she wants. Whenever she you know whenever she needs it. You know that that's always going to be an offer on the table. But I think that all of us would do that. 
you know, if we had to, if dad was like, oh, there's no question injured or something. And then, but, but yeah, so, there's no question. so maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe the, uh, the success of CLS has made me rise up the ranks, but that's, uh, <laughs> see that, you know, but it, it's impossible to say for sure. Right, Dad? We'll save the rankings for when the girls are here. <laughs> I just, I think about the conversation I used to have either with Allie or Dana, and I'd say, I can't wait. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be sitting on your couch. I'm going to be drooling and crapping in my pants on your couch. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Tomorrow. And then when you say tomorrow, you're like, and I'll see you in two weeks. I'm like, what the And heck? then he goes and visits and he's, he's shitting himself. And you're like, Dad, why are you pooping your pants? Still, what stinks in here? Dad, you're embedded you all me. Why are you pooping yeah. on my love suit? <laughs> Dad's still in control of everything, but he's just like, he's just being a dickhead. We're going to get down to the knockback child ranking when we have the whole family here. Okay. It would be really hilarious that, to have mom and dad in the room idea. at the same time, too, for that. Yeah, that would be good. I, I mean, that'd be too funny. I think it would be really funny. And yeah, because there's all sorts of weird math that we've done for many years. And there's some conclusive answers. Like, I, I think that I'm just definitely mom's favorite. I don't think anyone would deny that. Right. There's no there's no way if you and I were both no, hanging off. No of a, if you and I were both hanging off of a cliff and she can only save one of us, she's saving me. She would push me off <laughs> just to get the extra weight off so she could get to you in time. No, there's no question about that. Yeah, no, she she admits it, which is really sick, actually. But at least she's honest. Yeah, she's honest. Well, it, I really think it's the, I think a lot of it too is like the mystique of Colin now because I'm just never here, right? I never see anybody. I'm never on Long Island. I'm never in Virginia. It's it's a little sad for me because life goes on without you, right? Yeah. It, and, and I live in my own world out there that no one really has anything to do with. Right. And. uh so I think that when you're not around someone enough, that makes your heart obviously grow fonder for that person. And I wonder that if I injected myself back into this world, how quickly I'd plummet down the rankings. Oh, right? you really think about that? I, never I really... haven't lived with mom or dad. The last time I lived with dad was the summer of 2005. Yeah. The last time I lived with mom was the was 2002. Yeah, that's a long time ago. So if I so you know you look back and you're like, yeah, Colin was good. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that you know I might just ruin everything by coming back. Yeah. Might ruin my reputation. Absences are making hearts grow fonder. Huh? Exactly. So oh, I think that that has a lot to do with it too. Everything's going on in like this one epicenter, and then I'm like removed from it. Right. So you, it's like the guy that's not there. Well, I don't. I can't make you happy, but I can't make you sad. <laughs> you know. I like this. I really like this. I like that. I like that point. Digging's taking a that note about that. That makes me feel good. That makes me feel good for my own because you know me. I am around. You are around. Yeah. I like to. Th- I always like to think. All right. Like. This is a, this is going to be a polarizing thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Please I'm just do. going to be honest with you guys. Please I think do. I'm the least squeaky wheel of all the kids. I don't ask for shit. I don't ask for anything. So that being, you know, I'm just not very needy when it comes to mom and dad at all. Right. Not that mom and dad aren't both very good to us. They are mm-hmm. good to us. But I would think that would automatically give you points, you know. Now, that could just speak to, you know, I'm very fortunate the way my life is and all that kind of stuff. But also, but, you know, I just, I don't know. I mean, not that Dane. I don't think Dane is very, very a very squeaky wheel either. But we have a squeaky wheel in the family. We have a little bit of a squeaky wheel <laughs> oh in the family. God. We have a squeaky wheel. <laughs> oh I love God, her very no. much. I'm very close to her, but she's no. squeaky. She's a squeaky wheel. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, I was going to ask because I'm like, well, what have I asked anyone for? I've never asked mom and dad for anything. Is no, well, especially now. In modern, now you, you, the only reason I think you would have been a squeaky wheel is because you were the youngest. Right. You, you were still uh, dependent. Right. And, but, yeah. and I do, I have said this, and I will save this for the Moriarty clan get together when we are all together. I'll make sure everyone knows because we're getting together in October. Oh, wait. D- Dustin, edit what I just said out. 
No, don't edit so it. So Allie doesn't disown no, me. No, don't edit it out. <laughs> Dustin, you're my, empo- you're my employee. Dagan doesn't give you orders. Don't edit it out. I pay you. When Dagan pays you, you can take uh, orders from him. I'm finished. But uh, <laughs> but it, it, there's this idea that I was spoiled, right? We've talked about this on the show before. It really, anno- me. It really annoys that. the shit out of me. I never said it. Because I think that's fucking bullshit. I just think that's absolute bullshit. Dad, what are your what's your take? <laughs> <laughs> I can't really say. I mean, I feel like maybe when I was a child, I might have been spoiled like any child was. But I feel like by the time I was 10, I was like willing to like, I want a TIE fighter. Can I mow the lawn and clean the house to, and we can go get it? Like I was at least trying to do things, right? I never asked you for, I really don't feel like I ever asked you for anything without being at least, maybe it wasn't like something that, maybe that's not worth a TIE fighter, right? Maybe I, but maybe, but I tried. I, I, never, I never, I don't remember ever like putting a hand out and expecting things from anyone. And I always I really kind of, I always kind of like was mad about that, that, that like, especially Dana and Allie would say that about how spoiled I was. I was like, no, well, I, don't I don't really that. don't understand that. The only funny story I tell, uh, d- dad could relate to this. And this is actually a very true story. And then of course I'm busting chops, but when I was in fourth grade, that's the, u- the usual year you're able to start to play an instrument in school. I wanted to play drums. And mom and dad said, absolutely not. Now, what this would have entailed was having two wooden drumsticks and that wooden drum pad with yeah. the pl- with the little rubber thing, like the four inch by four inch thing. Yeah. No it. way. You're not playing drums. Colin wanted to play drums. They got him a full freaking drum set in the house. That's true. But I, but that, well, that's a good, that's a good example. I really did. I really did. That's one thing that I really put the, the screws in. On. Oh, did you? Yeah. Because I had a talent to play drums. You did. I'm you good did, at them. You were good. I'm really that. good. I'm really good at drums. And I wanted it. I wanted to. But you didn't know that before you started playing. Well, I knew because I, my friend Bryce down the street would play drums. And I used to go to his house and play drums all the time for years. Oh, and that's, that's how, how I learned how to play. That's oh, how I learned okay. how to play. And he would always say, he's like, you're very natural at this. You you understand how to play. I'm not. I, I play bass now and a little bit of guitar. And that, that didn't come as naturally. I really had to learn how to play and learn how to read and learn how to you know do those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do remember you guys actually saying, no, you're not going to be talented at that. At so what? at drums. Did they say that? <laughs> no. Oh, I, was gonna... <laughs> I, I can, I can, you know, it was like, and I have to admit to this and I regret this, Dana, but the fact when you were a little girl and you wanted to play baseball, I wouldn't let you play because I told you that wasn't that little girls don't play baseball. Oh, I never knew that. I never. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's and a again, different time though, right? Like different, different time, different framework, you know, different mindset. And it wasn't about being sexist. It was just about what I thought little girls were supposed to be doing based on what I what I what knew. you knew, right. Right, like you didn't and, want to not guide her in the wrong direction. Or oh, something. I never right. knew that. Interesting. And, you know, and she she would bring that up. And she has brought it up probably for the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she brings it up. <laughs> in certain forms, I'm reminded of it. And I do regret that. But I can't go back because it was based on my mindset then when I was what? 28 29 years yeah, old. yeah you were really you guys were the young parents you know she was born i was 25 so maybe it was all of that maybe i was 30 you know when she wanted to play it yeah play, yeah you know right well i don't know man i it's funny it's funny the show i think just obviously again with its audience it's, it's massive audience of people that listen to it kind of agnostically being detached from us it is so funny how this show is so powerful for the people that listen to it in our family 
not powerful in a way of like, you know, going and listening to a great sermon or something, but powerful in the sense that like it, it evokes something in them. Either like they need to text us and tell us we were wrong <laughs> about something or like an additional memory or yeah. it's kind of cool. And I know that Declan listens to it and Derek listens to it and who's our uh, Declan's our, our oldest nephew and, and uh, Derek's our brother-in-law. So it's it's just cool how we're able to say our piece, but I want to Dagan's point. I want to give everyone their opportunity to rebut everything we've ever said. Right. Like, yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think, it, I think it's just going to be so essential to like get everyone together. And I think what we're ultimately going to have to do, I don't think it's going to be possible in October. That's when I originally wanted to do it. We're all going to long Island to basically have a family reunion at dad's house, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, We nice. haven't all been together in a long time. And, uh, especially me, you guys have all been together many times. Not me though. And, uh, so I was trying to plan it to maybe we would do it then, but I think what would be great is to just fly all three of you to California and just do it there, you know? Mm. And that'd uh, be a lot of fun. I would love it. Just go rent a studio. So we wouldn't have to do the setup and just like rent it for a weekend and just sit there and just hash it out. <laughs> Allie might lunge at me at this point. <laughs> we used to be good friends. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Well, Dig, do you have anything else that you wanted to you say? You know what? There's one thing, and I don't mean to change gears here. Please so do. No, harshly, no, no. There, but you know, there's one thing. We I do that on the show. <laughs> we do. We do tend to change gears. We do tend to jump around. That's part of the charm, I think. But you know what, Dad? I don't know if I ever told you this, but and we didn't really touch on it enough, I don't think, earlier. Your your mom, Grandma Marie, passed away when you were seventeen, I believe, right? I was actually twenty. Oh, you were twenty uh, when I, I she was passed. 20. I was so she passed two two or three years before I was born. Yeah. So I never met Grandma Marie, no. in other words. But that was always she was always the one person who had the most, you know. So I, sort of I was very interested in because everybody, the other grandparents I knew. And she always hold the. She was always like this mystical figure for me because I never. I I always lamented the fact of not being able to get a chance to know her or have any memories of her. I don't know if I ever told you that, but I think about it a lot. Even to the degree where you know, even when I would say prayers at, at night as a kid, like I always said, like I always included her in that, you know. And that was always something. Yeah, you know, that was always a great. That's 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 always been a little hole missing for me, mm. and I've always felt that inherently, and it's never gone away. That the feeling of it has evolved. As I've gotten older, but it's never really gone away fully that, you know, it feels like that's always been a, a missing piece. And I, you know, I feel very grateful that I got to, I got to meet three of my grandparents because there's a lot of kids you even see today. And even especially today where people, you know, people are having kids so late in life, so much later in life that by the time the kids are born, sometimes the grandparents are completely gone. Yeah. So I feel yeah. very fortunate for that. But I always felt like that was a bit of a... um a little bit of a tragedy for me that I never got a chance to know her. I was always very interested in her. I, I like talking about her and it kind of fleshes out her, her character in my mind a little bit. You know, yeah. I like hearing stories about that. Yeah. My, my mother, she would have been delighted, you know, to, um, unfortunately from, you know, she got sick. I was 13. Oh, she was sick for a long time. So she was sick for seven years. Wow. That's a long time. And, um, so we kind of lived with that for seven years, but she would have loved to see her grandchildren, and um, you know, look wise, you know, that's why I say Allie and you know, my mother when she was young, um, you know, actually even younger than Allie is now, you know, in her twenties and stuff, she looks exactly like Allie. Well, is that Allie right? Looks exactly. Like oh, her. that's funny. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. I got to look yeah. at pictures again. It's been a long time since I've seen pictures. Yeah, there's yeah. one picture that you had that I think I used to look at that you, I think you had in the dining room at the Woodland House with with her and all of you on the stoop or something like that, right? Oh, yeah. That's mm. when and we I, were, yeah. And I remember looking at that. Like, that was basically just how I knew what she looked like. Yeah. You know? 
and I was I was I forget how old I was maybe four and my my brother was there and my sisters and a couple of the neighborhood kids yeah, yeah that picture I remember that's a cool picture yeah, yeah I remember that picture and yeah that was basically my only insight into even what you looked like visually you know it's always interesting to to think about it's I don't mean this to be morbid at all but like if you could just take someone like her and just bring her here right and just just you have an opportunity to sh- talk to her and show her and tell her what was going on. It's it's one of those things that I don't think anyone ever stops longing for. That's why I think it's so important that you get all this stuff out, you know, when you can, yeah. as it were, because you don't really know when things are going to go south for anybody. Right. You know, so it's a it's a good reminder. And that's a lot of pain, Dad, because you had you had a lot of pain, you know, it, growing up, I think. And I've like kind of harbored that in myself about you in a way like, you know, I for some reason I think about that with you. You know, how much easier we had it, actually, than dad did. Oh, for sure. You know, and how for sure. how that must have been so hard to not just do what you knew, you know, but to, like, do it a different way. Because I think people talk about those cycles that they get into all the time. Yeah. You know, with their children and their grandchildren and the generational gaps and all these kinds of things. So okay. that's sad. I mean, I couldn't imagine me imagine losing mom when we were 20. No, that's that's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's really it's sad. Were you in the Air Force at that time or did you get back? No, already? no, I was back. Home. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sad. So, yeah, it's interesting though. Dave. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that's something that's really that's that's on my mind a lot actually. You know, that's something that's never really gone away. So it's yeah, it's really interesting because she really is that one that one person in my life who I really feel like I missed out on. You know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Me too. And I I feel that way actually a lot about mom's parents too, just because I was so young when they went as well. Yeah, Gramps, you never you never knew. No. He died when Allie was one. Yeah, I never knew him. And, and then, you know, Grandpa obviously died, I think, when I was 11. Yeah. And Grandma, you know, pretty much went senile after that. So she was gone. And she Granny died, died for when you time. were yeah. right before Colin was born, right? Did you miss Gran- Granny? No, died Granny when was, I was alive 10? when was, I was alive. Granny I died when I was 10? No, Granny. No, Granny was alive for a while. Um, Until the late 80s or early 90s, right? Yeah. Um, was it that far? I was upset. I remember her being in her seat all the time in in the living room. Yeah. Oh, so you so you <clears throat> she would that. sit in that seat. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Looking at the TV. In the TV. Yeah. You just go and kiss her on the you know kiss her on the cheek and yes. you didn't really interact with her yeah, otherwise. That makes sense. But then ultimately they she wound up in a nursing home. Home. I remember right. that. Yeah. Right. I do remember that as well. Yeah. So I remember that. So yeah, I think she died like mom will be able to tell us like 92, 91, something uh, like that maybe. It was early. It had to be before grandpa. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, your grandfather died in. Um. My father was July of '92. Your, I think your grandfather died maybe in September or August. If was I'm... it that early? No, I don't think it was Pop. I think oh, Grandpa might have 90... died in '94. No, it was '93. Was it '93? '93. My dad died in '93. It was July of '93. Yeah, they were and pretty close. Your, gra- your grandfather died. I thought Grandpa died when I was in Philly, so it might have been '94. Mom, mom, mom will know. Okay. Mom will know. But you, the, yeah. what I remember about that day, and I've told you this many times, I think what I remember about that day is you're the one who told me you were sitting Indian style in front of the fireplace in the living room when I woke up that when day. Grandpa passed. When Grandpa, when Grandpa Ruggiero passed, and I remember walking up to you, you were like real somber and sad about it. You know, you were just. I, I remember it so well because it, it was. It was not the fire wasn't on or anything like that. You were just literally sitting there. It was like very unusual. Mm-hmm. And then I came up. That was very told. close to them. Yeah. So that must have been very powerful for you yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
lots of good memories, lots of uh, painful memories. But I, I think it's important to just be honest with the memories and, and get them out there. I, li- I like that. Yeah. Uh, and I like that sometimes you never know what the trips down memory lane are going to bring. No. I but mean, you got to go down there. You know what I mean? I think I cried for the first time on Knockback. You there know? you go. So there you go. The Marie Courthouse really brings up a lot for me. Yeah. That's like an era I wish at. That's an inflection point that I. That's the one inflection point in my life where I'm like, I wish or I wonder what would have happened if I didn't leave. You know? Like, what what would have been different? Yeah. But you, I, I can't. You can't. I can't be sad about what happened because it brought me. <laughs> Along this path that brought me to Northeastern and brought me to IGN and brought me to all this stuff. Now it's absolutely who knows what the fuck you got to look at it that way. And that's and that's really the only way you can look at it because it's not about what ifs. It's about what what is or what was. Right. And, you know, you can you feel the feelings, you feel the emotions. Believe me, when you you know, I mean, I know about Medford. I mean, I could tell you everything like you were talking about. You brought up the house in uh, Albertson. Yeah. And you talked about the fence with, you know, and our neighbors who were called the Smiths. Oh, the Smiths. That, those are the yeah. older folks on the corner? And I, I, I put a stockade, not a stockade, a um, split rail right. fence up with a gate. And I put turkey wire on the inside of it. And it was where I developed these hinges, which, again, back in my, when I was 23 years <laughs> old, is I, I put PVC pipe in the ground. And the the gates um, split rail, the posts were round right. or roundish. Right, right. So I had them sit in the PVC fence and they swiveled. Okay. Um, that that became the hinge. I gotcha. Okay. That's pretty and innovative. And the reason that we put the uh, turkey wire up and on the inside was to keep you from running out into the street. Right, right, right. You and Dana at the time. I, I remember, it's funny, I was so little, but I remember that. The fence. Smiths. I remember that fence. I remember the Smiths. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're very, they're very, you know, they're very spotty memories, but they're there. And the twins across the yeah, street. Yeah, across the street, yeah. Yeah. I remember them yeah. very, I remember them very well. You know, or some of my earliest memories, which we'll talk about my very earliest scary memory for the, uh, in oh, our, childhood, in our childhood, fears, childhood, yeah, childhood or, fears. Or That's gonna be a good fears one. Episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that one. <laughs> the, the, some of the stuff the audience wrote for that one is just completely out of control. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Uh, but we have to. We have a reservation in like a half an hour to go eat. All right. So let's let's wrap it up. And uh, this is a, obviously a shorter episode than usual. But I think you guys understand. It's the same thing with mom. We we went about this long with mom too. Yeah, we did good. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was good. Dad, Dad thanks for you know sitting in with us and, and sharing some memories. And yes, thank you. And uh, it's really fun uh, reminiscing a little bit and to be part of this and uh, continue to encourage you and your brother to keep doing what you're doing thank you we will I you're think. very good at this pop by the way yeah you are you really inherently you have a little bit of a natural it's pissing me off a little bit <laughs> make it look a little too easy right now no you're really good at it you're really good at being on the mic you're very natural very good because not everybody could do that you know it's very not everybody could be me dad it's true <laughs> digging the star of knockback yes the reluctant yes. star of knockback no you're very good at this for real i, I want to make sure i said that well thank you i appreciate it well, I hope all of you guys out there enjoyed it, and we'll have Dad back on, obviously. Okay. In the You're future. not so good at this. No, yeah. I'm, all right, I'm all right. And Colin's paying for dinner. <laughs> yeah, I'll pay for dinner. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'm more than happy to pay for dinner. That's perfectly fine. But no, I say it over and over again. Dagan, on this show, 
Dagan is the star of the no, show. No, that's not true. Yeah, it is. I don't understand why you don't understand that, but you know it. You're just Dad's like, now the star of the show. Dad is now the star of the <laughs> show. That's right. Dad, you are now the star right. of Knockback. Uh, everyone out there, thank you so much for listening to our show. Sorry if my audio is a little different than usual. Again, we kind of have a little bit of a weird setup here. I wanted to make sure our dad got the uh, the good mic. Dagan's on the other good mic as well because uh, he's a prima donna and that's what he needs. <laughs> Remember, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Collins. Last stand for early ad-free access to every episode of our show or also the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas to our show. We let you know the topics ahead of time and then you submit your queries. Dagan, dad, thank you. Thank you very much, thank my friend. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you all out there. And Take care, audience. Be well. God bless. Yes, very nice. I'll I'll leave it there. Well done, Dad. Well done. What's that? I'm your favorite? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh, we're still on the thing. We're still on the thing. (laughs) Knockback is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded in Santa Monica, California and the Philadelphia suburbs of Pennsylvania, USA. The show is produced by me, Colin Moriarty, and was conceived of by myself and Dagan Moriarty, who is also my co-host. You can find me on Twitter at NoTaxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Dagan is on Twitter at Dagan1973 and on Instagram at DaganLikesToDraw. Knockback is edited by Dustin Furman. Any snail mail can be sent to our P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1233, Santa Monica, California, 90406. As you know, all things Collins Last Stand, including Knockback, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Carlos Algaret, Morgan Ashley, Taylor Barkley, Sean Battershaw, Martin Beck, Eric Bishop, Mark Boggio, Eli Bosford, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixie, Jimmy Brown, Jason Budnick, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Andrew Burkhart, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Alex Cabrera, Tom Cargill, Patrick Carper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Simon Conception Jr., Brad Cooley, Geo Corsi, Nick Cummings, Daniel D'Amour, Colin Davenport, Mitchell Durkash, Zachary Douglas, Knight Draft, David Ellis, Martha Emery, Liam Fagan, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbach, Fotios Frangos, Michael Gallier, Chris Galvin, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem Al Ghanem, Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Miranda Grubba, Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Wyatt Henry, Asa Haas, Azan Isa Al Ricey, Josh Yeager, John Jameson, Jimmy Jolicure, Joshua Jonathan, Greg Julius, Anton Kay, Jeremy Key, Anti Kinnanen, James Kinsler III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Jackson Lastiqua, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith A. Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Josh M., Ryan T. Mandel, Peter Mark, Michael Martinez, Sean Mason, Zachariah McAdoo, John McCarthy, Josh McKinney, Joe McPartland, Andrew Mendoza, Christopher Midling, Alex Moans, Chris Moore, Betty Ann Moriarty, Ryan Murdoch, Adam Nix, Donnie Nolan, George A. Nunez, Grayson Orr, Brian Ott, Jorge Palomino, Daniel Parsons, Marius S. Peterson, Gerald Pennington, Enrique Perez, James Perone, Jason Pettit, Jeff Pollard, Louis Powell, Lawrence F. Prokop, Andrew Ramos, Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Toby D. Riemenschneider, Austin Riley, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, Josh Josh Salinas, Jose Salinas, John Scholes, Michael Shanholtz, Toby Schutman, Glendon Cole Simper, Joshua Smallwood, Daniel Strycharsk, Ahmad Tamar, Will Vlander, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Alan Tremblay, Jacob Turnbaugh, Raymond Vargas, Michael Vecchio, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Connor Walton, Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Mike Wayant, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zaniga, Hugo's Desk, Organic Produce, Casual Misfits Gaming, Supershot ST, Homeworld Hub, Throw7, Nick C, Infinite, Mad Mock Media, Fabian, Mubarak, Richter86, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Donk2015, and Gavin.